Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. My name is Sam Warburton, and in my opinion, the greatest injustices in modern day sport are that David Flatman was never picked for the Lions. Uh, I, can't, I can't say this, boys. Read it, Sam. Read it, okay? And that Thomas George Llewellyn Shanklin wasn't Wales captain instead of me. Not so hard, was it? Carry on. Ladies and gentlemen, it's Flats and Shanks. Enjoy the show. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode four of our weekly podcast. My name is Thomas George Llewellyn Shanklin. Hello. My name's Thomas George. Hello. I'm David Flatman. Hi, Tom. Hi, Dave. You okay, boy? Yeah, okay, boy. Yeah, your uh, your hello your hello was like um, I thought you were going to do three of them and turn into a Cockney policeman from the eighties. That's hello, isn't it? Yes. Don't ruin my joke. Was it That's a joke? Got. Yeah, it was meant to be funny. All right. Um, you're right. I'm all right. It's you I'm worried about. How's it going? Yeah, well, I mean, we should explain that this is the second time we've done a podcast this week. We did one yesterday, uh, which would would have been Monday, and it's still Monday, but unfortunately the sound was so bad that we've had to can it because we're perfectionists, and if it's, if a product isn't right, <laughs> we will not upload it. The, the other way to look at it is, imagine how bad it must have been for us not to just think, oh, sod it, download it, send it, oh. upload it, or whatever the word is. We've had some terrible sound quality pods as well, so it was... We're stuck with it. It was probably up there with... The worst we've done. Yeah, and annoyingly, we've Shanks drove to Bath and wasted a whole afternoon. I wasted a couple of hours of my life, and Nolly Waterman joined us uh, via sort of remote Google Hangouts thing on the mic and got it all sorted out and stayed in to be with us and all that sort of stuff. So we've also wasted her time. So it's particularly annoying. And sorry about that because you would have loved to hear from Nolly. And Nolly, we will get you back on soon. But yeah, but. Um, Feel it was more, just bad. Feel more sorry for me, though, isn't it? 
You're you're the one who's lost out the most. Yeah. Um, by a long way. Um, and I've also got stuck in that crazy traffic for those that live in South Wales, right by the Celtic Manor, about five o'clock. Mate. In the afternoon. By the Bringlass Tunnel. You know it. You know where all the crows were dying. <laughs> <laughs> How many how many crows are there in the UK? Too many, baby. Done. Um yeah, you you've done badly out of that and I'm sorry, but this was like I've got a really really busy week this week and this literally slot cause it's oh. 2 o'clock roughly now, just gone 2 on uh Tuesday afternoon. This slot is I literally look at this slot and think I have got two episodes of Ozarks on Netflix in me in this slot. It was proper downtime and it's my only downtime until Sunday night. Crimea River. No, no, perfectly happy to work. I just, it's the only time I had to sit on my own until Sunday night. Sit still, rather. I mean, once you finished Ozark Series 2, which is good, um, you told you about cracking into the Lumen Towers, but also Mm. Jack Jack Ryan's really good on Amazon Prime. What's that now? Um, Jack Ryan, it's... uh, um, Harlan Coben, is that? Is that... No, is that Jack Ryan? Jack Ryan is, they've done Patriot Games. So it's an author um, who writes Jack Ryan books. I can't remember who it is. But, you know, have you heard of Patriot Games? Clear and Present yeah. Danger? They're all Jack Yeah, Ryan. seen them. But there's a series. Indiana, Indiana Jones is in them. <laughs> Han Solo's in them. But yeah. um, it's a series on Amazon. It's really good. Okay. Um, just send me that on an email, yeah? So yeah. I don't forget that. So um, it's formalised. I must also congratulate you and thank you for podcast recommendation dr death oh yeah how good i mean if there's something i'm going to listen to just by the title that is it <laughs> yeah i know that you don't don't judge a podcast by its title except you do and that is a very good title uh, it's about a doctor dr dunch is that right yeah doc christopher dunch and he's a neurosurgeon and it's he does he operates on a lot of people and one dies um they all really have massive, huge after effects. Some can't walk again. And it's whether that he is an actual psychopath or he's just incompetent. Yeah, is he grossly incompetent and therefore dangerous, well, lethal in some cases, or is he a murderer and therefore lethal in some cases? And the reason why he keeps going to work is because he's so important to hospitals um, in the mm. US because it brings in something ridiculous like two and a half million dollars in revenue to have a neurosurgeon there mm. but they're scared then to I suppose complain about him because then there's liable cases and he could sue and it's really complicated but it's down to a couple of doctors really that end up catching wind of him and force the case to the uh, district attorney general yeah but also it it what it also boils down to is some people in positions of real power basically not shopping him and going legal in case it costs them a bit of money that they don't want to spend and putting people's lives at risk. So actually, it's unforgivable of them as well. But it is, it is a fascinating podcast. It's only five episodes long, isn't it? I think we just covered all five. So There you go, done. No, you listen to it now. No, you don't. Anyway, he done it. He proper done it. Hey, Dave. Um do you get that podcast I sent you the other week or slash a couple of days ago? I haven't seen it yet. The toy well, listen, listen to it and listen to it. The Toy Box Killers. Is it about Christmas? <laughs> yes. Is it about Santa? 
Christmas is dead, mate. Right, no. so what's it about? It's about this couple. No, I haven't listened to it. This couple in America, and they're, um, they kidnap a woman in this case, but there's also other women that's been kidnapped. It's on Case File. Uh, it's the latest episode. It's really, it's quite harrowing, to be honest, mate. And they torture her. They torture her. Oh, but, but really interesting in the same way about how they catch them. And that's what I like. You know that. I do. I, I have worried. I oh, don't worried in the past, boy, that you like the nasty stuff as well. I, I don't get my kicks out of murder. <laughs> Yet. Yeah. Anymore. Yeah. I used to. Murder, she wrote. Oh. It's yeah. Like, like yeah. a drug to me, that was. Yeah. Or Columbo. Who is it we used to call Columbo that we played with? Adam Jones. Adam Jones. Welsh second row. Bonkai. Bonkai. Sweaty upper lip. Yeah. Memories mm, of days. Uh, so what have you been up to then, Tomboy? Oh. So busy. You know what I'm like now, just constantly working cool. for the, in the Pro 14 for Premier Sport. Oh. What have I been up to? Well, I went up to Dublin on Wednesday to the Premier Sports Pro 14 When you say show. went up to Dublin? Went across. Okay, there, thank you. Okay, went across to Dublin and slightly up. From it's like people from Barso going down to London. You're not. Do... Yeah, I you don't go down know. to Southampton and you go up to Glasgow. You don't go down. Yeah, well, I think Dublin from Cardiff is slightly up. But it's really across, isn't it? Okay. Or over. Okay. I went west to Dublin and did the Pro 14 show with Eddie O'Sullivan and Rory Lawson. Two good men. Don't know Eddie O'Sullivan, but everyone seems to say he's a good guy and Rory Lawson's a grade A human being. Yes, he is. Um, really good. Good fun. Um, shot back in the morning, then went across then the following morning to Silverstone, where I had to do something for DS Smith. So they have this rubbish. They have this month, rubbish monthly excellence awards. So anyone that's been excellent over a month in a calendar year, they get to we get to do a fun day for them. And it was at Silverstone where there was virtual racing. Are there twelve employees? That means there was um, twenty five thousand plus employees, no. but okay. there's probably about hundred people there that had that had really good months. Yes, across the year. So it's like all the different players of the month from all the different teams from all across the year. Okay, fine. And they get to go and play games. Yeah, you've got that in your head now, yeah? Got it. Um, uh, we had a chance at changing tyres of a Formula 1 car in the pit stop. Were they bigger than you thought? No, they weren't bigger than I thought. They were lighter than I thought. But then maybe, I, maybe I'm just massive. Maybe I'm just going through a strength period at the moment. You know. Yeah, are you are you bulking at the moment? No, I haven't been for a while. Mm. It's a new baby, happens, isn't it? Isn't it? Gets yeah, it's what goes in it. First thing that goes to the gym, but also a tour, had a tour of the track as well. All right, and just some exciting stuff, and then handed out awards. And you didn't and walk the, around the track, did you? No, you're not allowed to walk around. But you get to go to the podium, and they tell you some interesting facts that I've completely forgotten now. Um, you go yeah. to the the main comms room where they've got all the screens up, where race officials make decisions on whether drivers have been fined and whether TMO yeah exactly Uh, and then on nerds and then on Saturday I went to commentate on Scarlet's Um, I went to a place in Ireland the west of Ireland have a guess what it's called Connacht you what mate Connacht correct and I made that mistake a few times I've just called it Connacht it's not though is it I've never heard you say Connacht but no, you told me that you told me the other day that you pronounce it Connac, so I've just ruined your joke. Um, but yeah, so many people. Well, when I say so many, two people picked up on it, saying he should know 
the team, how to pronounce the team he's playing. Yeah, but that's like, you know, Bath or Bath. Yeah, well, it is. It is, but it's 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 more than that because a foreign. It's like, do you want us to pronounce every, you know, every um, foreign player in their local accent, as it were? I th- I don't know. Maybe you should, but I, I always find it funny when Eddie Butler's like Fofana. <laughs> <laughs> it's almost a bit like um, Toma, yeah. Toma, and it's just a bit like I, I I'd go Teddy Toma or Fofana. We'll say Fofana, but it's kind of like, you know, it, whatever you do, boy, if you say Connacht the whole way through, there will be seven people that tweet you saying you are a Norse or you've got it wrong. So I wouldn't worry too much about that. Okay. It's, I know it's Connacht, but it's Connaught from now on. Okay. I didn't worry, mate, if I'm honest. You, do you sleep all right after that? Like a baby. I remember doing like the last um, World every Cup. four hours. Sorry. A couple of years ago, I, there was, I watched a game on TV. I forget who commentated on it now. It was like, Shane Williams and someone else or something, whoever it was. I literally sat in the hotel and watched it on TV and only got three. I got a load of tweets. You're getting tweets, but I got three tweets during the game that said, you are the worst commentator in the world. You're ruining this game. I was going to reply. I'm still in my hotel room watching telly in my pants, but I thought I'll leave that. I'm okay with that. No need to reply. It wasn't actually me. I mean, when I do commentate, they say that as well. But, Sometimes, you know, so don't yeah. worry about it. Just say it wasn't you. Yeah, but I was fine with it anyway, mate. I slept. Okay. Um, well but, yeah, so was there and that's been my week, really, mate. What have you been up to? Well, great, mate. Old um, buddy. Old pal. Well, our kid. I went to the I went to the Southampton Boat Show last week. Um, That was good fun. I went to the Ribeye, the Ribeye Ribs Stokes. Massive. Right. Yeah, not yeah. Stokes. Uh, that was great. Walked around and looked at loads of flashy boats that um never going to buy. Um, but we went out on one of the new ribeyes and they blasted us around. One of their pro drivers, a really nice man. And we had a nice bit of lunch, um, nice little drink. It's like a chicken wrap, actually. It's really nice. And um, yeah, that was good. That was that was good fun. That was just showing back. And I went shooting twice last week. Um, I went to EJ Churchill in High Wycombe, which is a really nice shooting club. And on like a guest's day kind of thing. You were there with and Babbage, weren't you? Ron Ronnie Regan was there. He was there. And you know, you walk in there and it is just, it's not all money, but it is almost all money. Like the car park is a joke. So I'm extremely lucky that I get a sponsored car from Land Rover in lieu of work I do for Land Rover. And I get this gorgeous car to drive around in that I otherwise, you know, wouldn't have bought for myself. So very, very lucky. And it was one of about 30 in the car park. And it would not have been in the top 50. You know, I loved it, but it wouldn't have been in the top 50 most valuable cars in that car park. Like it is, inc- it is incredible. Just an incredibly privileged environment. Then you walk in and you get a bacon sarni before you go sh- and a coffee before you go shooting and you hear Babbage, Babbage, and it's Mark Regan and he's there. Dude, and he's his, David, he's got his, he's got his, all the gear on. He's got his special like shooting socks, plus fours, whatever they are. He's got a, a shooting vest on, like a gilet with a mesh on the front, a gold mesh, and he's got two gold cartridges logged in his like in his chest cartridge slots, 
it's just like he's just got it all going on, smashing the bacon sarnies in. Um, that was very good to see. Very funny. Good to see him. And I won a prize. So, um, yeah, I won a prize at the shooting day. What was it? I won a goodie bag from Bremont Watches from those guys. Did, um, did it have a watch inside? No. Don't want to know about no, it then. Technically not. Um, would I have like a, a pen, a notepad, a key ring, bottle opener? That sort of stuff, yeah. 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 Um, but I, I, I won a prize for being the worst shot on the whole day. Terror. The thing is, though, Rob Fennick. The thing is, T-Rexes, it's really hard for someone like you to grab a gun because you've got really small arms. Mm. Um, I suppose you had difficulty pulling the trigger because your fingers couldn't quite reach, maybe? All the way around. Yeah. It wasn't easy. Um, I have to use kids' guns, like uh, spud guns. But um, I have to use a Tommy gun. But it, I was the worst shot of the day, and I they reveled in giving me a prize. Rob Fennick, who runs EJ Churchill, who's a... I used to think was a good guy. Now I actively dislike. He gave... thing is, gave me the prize, and everyone laughed and took the mickey out of me, and that was fine. And Ronnie loved it, as you can imagine, nine G&Ts in. And um, he, then Rob runs after me afterwards. He's like, by the way, by the way, he gave me a bit of paper. You weren't the worst shot of the day. You were second worst. The worst has already gone home, though, so we had to give it to you. <laughs> it was a happy coincidence. So he humiliated me in front of everyone and then said, oh, by the way, you weren't the worst. I did not have a good day shooting. But I had a great day shooting, but I didn't hit many. Um, but then For I went no shooting reason. again. I went shooting again on Friday. And one. it was brilliant. No, it was brilliant fun. Land Rover Day for a charity called Tusk, which was really good. And actually shot really well. Like, shot fire. And I won a magnum of champagne. Not for shooting, for guessing how many clays on the spread, but how many clays we'd hit. It's a bit of shooting last week, but on Thursday, I filmed another sort of installment of a Channel 5 advert ahead of one of the big games, Tigers against uh, Saints at Twickenham, yeah. with um, just Sean, that little lad I did the Channel 5 advert, advert with before, Flats and Small, they call yeah. it. You're cheating um, on me, I know. Yes. Yes. So that was nice. And then I went to the Anthony Joshua fight Saturday night at Wembley. Saw the highlights of that. Yeah, it was but, actually I mean, really good. Were the highlights probably... The best bit, or do you reckon the whole fight was it a good fight? It's a really good fight because it was all Povetkin to start with because he's lighter, much lighter, much smaller, and obviously therefore quicker, you know, sharper. You just think, well, at some point, is he going to get tired of hitting this massive unit? Because Anthony Joshua's a lot, lot bigger, two stone bigger, really. And um, in the end, he did, and he Josh, he rocked Joshua a couple of times, like really hit him, broke his nose, really wobbled him in one of the early rounds um and then you just think he just started to look a little bit tired and bang joshua hit him once and okay knocked him down knocked him down again but after that first shot game over mate i mean he obliterated him it was so much power have you seen um chabadi g's little interview with eddie hearn no so povetkin right that's how you pronounce it isn't it yeah he can't because chabadi g can't pronounce his v's can he povetkin povetkin you what mate povetkin it's really good. <laughs> no, I'll, I'll have a look for that. Yeah. Oh, nice week then for you then. Yeah, very nice. Very nice. Then on Sunday, I went up to Leicester to watch the watch them play against Worcester, which was the game of the weekend, maybe the game of the season so far. David, old um, boy, it was a cracker. It was lush. It was a Christmas cracker. Can I it say was blimming good. Can I say Sunday, right? Sunday was a great day. Not only did you have the finale of the bodyguard. I mean, have you got into the bodyguard? And we're not talk, we're not talking Kevin three. Costner either. I think, and I think I think I might be the only person in the UK that thinks it's rubbish. You don't like it? 
No, I think it's rubbish. I mean, I'll do it. I'll watch the rest of it, but it's, I just don't. I mean, I, what, I just don't. What, not, I'm not having it. What are you basing this? Like, I don't know. The first couple, it just seems a bit. You don't like the acting? The acting, I don't love. Okay. And it's like, hang you on, do let better me remember, because I haven't watched one since last week. <laughs> you do it then. I'm not an actor. So mm. you could yeah, you say that. I'm acting like a nice bloke on this pod, but I'm not. Um, it they Because they bonk, don't they? The bodyguard and uh, Lavender. And the way they get to that is all a bit too false and quick for me. It's like, what? That's already happened. He's only been there five minutes. So it's kind of like... Well, it's consensual. You know, it's just two adults. Haven't, yeah, I'm not suggesting it's non consensual. I'm, I'm contesting Put your teeth in, put your teeth in, and then come back to me. What? Veracity. I, I don't like I didn't like it. Okay. I, just, I don't think it's that good. And well, I, I enjoyed think... it, but I do think the final episode, they they rushed to the conclusions in the final episode. I thought, um, right. I thought they could have strung it out over two episodes, really. I thought the confessions came a bit too easy, but I really did enjoy it. But I was in a dilemma on Sunday night because that was on, and I've been hooked and grossed in that, but also. It was a PGA tournament going on, and Tiger Woods was in contention to win it. And right. I had to watch that as well. So I had one on the iPad, one on the TV. Yeah. What are you worried about? Nothing. It was enthralling, mate. Now, Tiger hasn't won since 2013. It wasn't a major. It's four majors in a year. Um, you know that, obviously. I know but that. This was, this was huge. This was incredible scenes as well and you're talking about just a pga tournament throughout the year the crowds were going wild now tiger was walking up the 18th with rory mcelroy and needed flat out security to get him really because he was just getting engulfed in support they were all running up they all wanted to video him what that guy has done for golf is makes him the greatest of all time forget jack nicholas faldo forget faldo what about laurie Cantor from bath Oh yeah, he could, yeah. Actually, I didn't think of him. He's uh, one of the greatest golfers of all time. Do you know who one of the best golfing blokes I've met is? But he can't Laurie, putt. He can't Laurie putt. Cantor's not in the top fifty. He can't uh, putt. He can't putt. Can he? Oh, I just made it up. Okay, he's a, he's a lovely man, really. But Eddie Pepperell, I really liked meeting. He was very very nice bloke, very good fun, and very bright. I thought he he finished really high up in one of. The, I think it might have been either the Masters or the Open or. I can't remember which one it was, but he finished really high up and he put it down to having a few glasses of wine with his caddy. Yeah. Um, but yeah. yeah. Um, I was going to play golf with Laurie Cantor this week, but Larry, let, out, Larry let down. Laurie let down. Gave me some chat about, oh, it's a sponsor's day. I've got to go to it. Whatever. It's in your diary, mate. You make it. Yeah. Um, well, they've, just, they've just announced it for next week, have they? Liar. Liar Cantor. But that was incredible, um, and he won. But also, Justin Rose won just a cool 10 million. He won the FedEx Cup, which is like an oh, accumulation man. of all the tournaments throughout the year. Oh, mate. And he had I a, loved... And he, but Not... he, he was really good and really humble because he didn't want to take the celebrations away too much from Tiger because he was in the group before. But he had basically two putts to win this 10 million, and he, he it was a fantastic putt. He only had like a little tap in at the end and it was just a couple of cool little winks to family or friends or his wife in the, in the crowd. Just like, yeah, just, just done 10 mil. Thing is though, mate, after tax and fees, that isn't any more than 5 mil. You're thinking... And you can't, you can't it, live like that. Is it worth it? And caddies take probably between 10, 20% as well. What's the point? Yeah, that's probably What's why the I point though? 
probably why I didn't take up golf. Um, so all right, you got you got four and a half, four million quid left after all your fees and stuff and everything's come out. But you, where where is the tournament? America. Yeah, he's got to travel all that way. He probably lives there, mate. Still, you know, he's not at home watching Netflix. Is it worth four million? No, he's on net jets. That's what he's doing. Exactly. Uh, but it's the Ryder Cup this week, so I am uber excited. I know you are as well. Would you cut one of your fingers off for four million pounds cash? Um, I would do it for way less than that. <laughs> exactly. Um, a Ryder Cup, yeah, I can't wait. Um, I'm all about Ian Poulter and Lee Westwood. They're my favourites. Yeah, Lee Westwood's not playing, but... Um, yeah, but that, that's his, I didn't say he was playing. I said he's my favourite. But you cannot not like it. It's just... You don't get you don't get team golf really, and this is team golf. This is where you see emotion on the tee. This is where you see more high fiving because it's obviously an individual sport. So the only people they really celebrate with is their caddies. But when it becomes a team sport and a team environment, it's just it's another it's level. Tribal. It's another it's level. Um, but the Americans are looking really collide. good. Two continents collide. But I don't want to talk yeah. any more golf because Laurie Cant has really annoyed me, and to the point where I'm not going to accept his friend request on Facebook. I'm not. I'm not going to be like overly aggressive about this, and you know that we're watching our language now. Uh, but if I see him in Bath, I will twat him. Okay, I will do him, and I'll do him proper. Okay, because after what he's done to you, because he's humiliated you on a WhatsApp group, teed you up. Excuse the pun for a game of golf because he's a pro and you're a legend, and he's just absolutely bombed you out and humiliated you in front of your mates. Just give him an inch punch to the bridge of the nose. Make his eyes water yeah. for me. All right, that's it. That's all he needs. I'll Bruce Lee him right in the windpipe, bridge hand, canter Jump. down. What's your thoughts, Big Dave, on Cipriani being left out of the... It's a prelim squad, right? It's just an extended training squad, Tom. Yeah. I mean, it can't be a rugby decision, can it? Let's be honest. Well... We're in, well, the, we're in the honest we zone. We trust tree. Yeah. Disagree with it 100%. Um, Eddie Jones has said before that if he doesn't believe Cipriani's one of his out-and-out, out, one of his top two fly halves, then he won't have him there because he doesn't think he's a good number three. Um, so that's how he feels. So he's obviously got Farrell and Ford as his two tens. And Lozowski and Slade can cover, but they're the top two, Farrell and Ford. So that's how he feels about it. But I just, I feel like the stuff he's saying about him being a highlights player and all that sort of stuff, and a, you know, just does the flashy stuff, just not having it. I think he's been great. Um, all right, he wasn't brilliant against Saris. Nobody from Gloucester was because they were completely dominated. And... I'm sorry, but if you put Bowden Barrett in that Gloucester team at the weekend, there's very little he could have done because they were absolutely swamped and swarmed by the Saris defence. They defended unbelievably well. We'll talk I mean. about that in a bit. Yeah, but so... Would you would you have Cipriani over George Ford? No, okay. I'd have them both. Um, George has been magnificent, I think. The first half against Worcester aside... Um, I mean, they've only had, what, three games since Matt O'Connor left. But the minute Matt O'Connor left... George Ford suddenly got much better. Maybe there was just, he was released. Maybe he didn't like the way Matt O'Connor was making him play, but it, instantly, and I think having Kyle Eastman, even though Kyle only came off the bench for half an hour, instant difference. As I said before, instantly a better, a more threatening side. Instantly, Manu looks more dangerous. Yeah, well, uh, George I mean, we'll, and Kyle, we'll, lovely combo. Don't get too excited now, mate. We'll talk rugby in a bit. This is just... Anyway, Cipriani, not having it. I, I, I think you've got to have him in. One thing I think that, is a factor, and I'm guessing, but I reckon it's true. Well, I wouldn't say it. Um, at Gloucester, they've effectively given Cipriani the attack and said, you know, 
<coughs> what you're doing. You're getting results. He's very controlling. He's a very dominant 10. So he will absolutely tell you where to be and when. And if you're not there, you'll get it. Um, and I, don't think England, I don't think England will give him that. A bit like, of Farrell, eh? a bit like you and your relationship. Just control. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. yeah, control for it. So it's like <laughs> with my, most of my friendships. Um, but it, I don't think England will give him that because they've got Farrell and he's the boss and George is a bit of a boss and Eddie's a boss and they don't want that in there and they're not willing to let him control it, which is reasonable but I in, in one sense. But I just think... I mean, it's a different is... level though, isn't it? Like club rugby to international rugby. And yes, he... like people like Jonathan Sexton will control, say, the Irish attack. But he's been there a long time. He's proven. Whilst Cipriani is still a little bit unproven at international level, no matter how good he is and how we know how good he can be, he's still not 100% proven at that level yet. But he's not been given the chance, I know that. So it's taken a big risk to say, right, you run the attack. I, I think so, but then I, I bet you would go in and be willing not to run it at that level. Yeah. He'd be willing to sit in and, and fit in, I'm sure he would. But when he got to play for England against South Africa, he was fantastic and he produced a moment of magic that won him the test. Like, what do you want? Highlights, mate. He produced a highlights real moment against a world-class team in the last minute. What do you want? Like, you know, I've only picked him once, and once he won in the game. So it's like, well, okay, he hasn't been picked that much, but he hasn't got much. He's not. He's unproven, but when you've asked him to, to deliver, he has. Anyway, I, I just think that what Eddie Jones can't... I think Eddie Jones just doesn't like him, and I think it is... It seems to me like he just doesn't like the bloke, and if he, and if he doesn't, then part of me thinks, well, he should say so, but part of me thinks, well, he shouldn't because then it becomes personal and you just can't win then. He can't win if it gets personal. So I just think he doesn't want to pick him because he doesn't like him. That's I'm guessing there, but I reckon I'm right. I just I just disagree entirely. And Sam Simmons I would have in there. Don Armand I would have in there. Luke Cowan Dickey, I know he's been injured a bit, but geez, I, I don't know how you can watch Luke Cowan Dickey play and not put him in the England squad. That's what I would say. He is a force of nature. He is brilliant. How can you not put him in? So I just, there are some decisions I disagree with, but whomever he'd picked, we'd all disagree with somebody, wouldn't we? We would. Uh, i tell you what is really fresh at the moment still, and it has been for a while, but it's becoming a huge issue now is it's still a concussion debate and still what is deemed as a high tackle, what is deemed as a red card, what is deemed as a yellow card. So Joe Marler gets yellow carded for leading with an elbow at the weekend. Um, mm. leads with his elbow, goes up high, connects with, I can't remember whose jaw it was, yellow card off. Now that mm. happens in the Edinburgh-Leinster game as well. And Schumann leads with his elbow and it connects with one of the Leinster players' bottom part of the face of so the jaw, gets red carded. Now, there has to be some consistency. And I know, and I know, and I know, it's really difficult to talk about because people who have been concussed and and people will just say, well, you know, their counter-argument is concussion. It is um, law cases. It's brain damage, you know, and, and it's very difficult. You cannot argue against that. But I just worry that any contact with a head now in rugby um, where there's no intent is just going to ruin the game because... It's a tough game. You know, whichever way you look at it, you are and potentially will get hurt at some stage. Now, every breakdown, there's going to be um, impact to the head, uh, mm. whether it's intended or not. And 
I worry that we're going to get to the point where every breakdown is going to be highlighted because a knee is accidentally connected with a head. And there's no intent there, but a knee's connected with a head. So I think we're at a massive crossroads at the moment. And I look, for all those listening out there, 100% player welfare is number one. But I also think we have to be sensible for what is best for the game as well. Yeah, and it's it's a really it's, interesting. It's, it's really difficult to talk about because the counter yeah, the counter argument is, can you feel it? Um, is brain damage. Yeah, so brain damage and lawsuits win. So, however, it is a really interesting situation rugby finds itself in because the very essence of what makes it popular is that it is big physical specimens being big and physical with each other. That's the thing. And reducing tackle height is unquestionably a good idea. Nobody's going to do that, though, Dave. Nobody is going to tackle round their knees and hips every single time. The, you know, these these uh, yellow cars and red cars that we came was because the player, the tackler, was going high. Yeah. You know, it's as we said last week. Is you've got to be so brave to tackle low, and not everyone's going to do that. You know, you tackle high with your chest because it's easier. Um, you know, it hurts when you tackle low, doesn't it? Because you've got your shoulder, um, you've got your head. You Once you're set in that position, you can't move. And people tackle high because they can move and they can adjust and they can jam in or they can move out. When you're mm. set low like that, you're making you're a done. tackle and you're going to get stepped. But also, you, you, it's just a letter of the law is something we say a lot on in, you know, to work rugby these days. But... You're right. The low, low tackling, I always felt as a player that tackling that low sort of hip height and below felt lethal to me, head on and, you know, people moving at pace because you've got hips and knees down there and pumping legs and you get knocked out. I used to think it is lethal. So a I, side tackle's I, different when you're tackling low. Because... That's different, yeah, yeah. But I, I used to think, when I see chop tackles now, when I used to play, I used to think those low tackles and those chop tackles are just, they are knockouts and dislocated shoulders waiting to happen. I hate them. I still hate them now. But tackling high isn't only about trying to nail him in the head. It's about stopping the ball being offloaded because offloads kill you. It's also about stopping people sooner and harder because if you tackle around the waist, they often make ground and they can present the ball nicely to their teammates if they can't offload it. So there are reasons why players tackle high. And I think you're right. We, we, we want to bring the tackle height, the average tackle height down. But you are always... We, we must, I think, always have six foot seven Will Spencer playing against five foot 10 or five foot 11 Tommy Taylor. We must always have that or Duncan Weir or whomever. We must have that because rugby is, as soon as it becomes uniform, it becomes uniform in size. It becomes more like rugby league. And rugby yeah. league's great, but it's we're not meant to be rugby league. So you need massive guys against small guys. That's how you, you know, that's that's the game. And it's part of the, part of it's the rugby piece, I think. But then it's part of its identity or a major part of it. And we must have that. And if you you are six seven six eight, you will not have a place in the game if you are not allowed to tackle at chest height, um, or you know, sort of approaching shoulder height. You just you will be because you will have to set so early to tackle to yeah. get low. And there's more chance you're going to get bounced off because you're on the base. You're you're on your heels, and yeah. not everyone and no one can. You you can't always go aggressively into a tackle either. You know, sometimes a lot of the time you've got to do soak up tackles because. A, the yeah. person you're tackling is a lot bigger than you. B, you're not in a position to actually accelerate. Into Caught the last minute. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But also, there's there's a um, there's some documents 
by Dr. Ross Tucker out there. And I'm going to put them on our uh, Twitter, the link on our Twitter website. It's really interesting because they've done all this analysis about concussion, about what tackles you're more likely to get concussed. And that is when the attacker is running high and you think, oh, that's obvious. But, you know, attackers do run low as well. And also the defender is tackling high. That's the most common concussion. Um, But you're not going to get every tackler wanting to go around hip height. So it's... Yeah, it's... I mean, it's kind of an argument that it's a funny one because nobody reasonable really want... is, you know, really is is trying to win an argument. No. It's just kind of... we're, We're all trying to get there in different ways. But as soon as you say game's gone soft or all this concussion stuff is stupid and it's ridiculous and they're over the top. Well, I'm afraid your, your opinion doesn't matter anymore. I mean, because it's it's gone because it, we all know it does matter. It's just, I think it's partly rugby needs to find a balance between protecting its players as well as it can and to stop apologising for itself and what it is. I mean, it's a difficult one because if, you, if you're going to ban any contact, you, you cannot stop contact in rugby as long as unless it's touch you cannot stop contact with the head you cannot stop your head getting hit you can limit it you can reduce it but we must not think i don't think that we can stop the contact contact beam over the head look at the malls look at the rucks it's it, just not possible and it's the, the whole intent as well i mean it you know, tent, difficult to measure though intent doesn't matter but then you know you could be hitting a ruck you don't intend to knee someone in the face but that happens because you're hitting a ruck so yeah but anyway um well, I'm going to tweet um, these links to Dr. Ross Tucker's um, chats on or what? What would you call it? A synopsis on yeah on concussion. It's really it's I'm really interesting. Hoping to get uh, Ross Tucker on at some point in the next few weeks. Um, he's away, but he's said he's keen to do it. So he, he's got a fascinating take on things because he doesn't he doesn't just go around speculating like the rest of us. He actually knows stuff. Um, so that'll be quite interesting, Dave. Have a Kit Kat. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. 
J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. So let's talk about some rugby, Tommy. Let's do it. It's a rugby podcast, okay? And don't you forget that. I do sometimes. I know, me too. Funny, isn't it? Shall um, we start with what was the best game? I know it's probably the wrong one to start with because it's a Sunday game, but... We do what we like. Do what we like, mate. It's our podcast, isn't it? Leicester-Worcester. That has that was the game of the season, of the week. Yes. Oh maybe, gosh, the, yes. maybe the season. Golly, yes. Um, amazing game, Tom. Um, I mean... Listeners, you, you will know about this game by now and you've probably seen the highlights videos. There's no point in going through the whole game again. But it was from minute one slash minute two, Worcester just shredded Leicester. Completely. They shredded them through the middle. Shredded them. So Duncan Weir was unplayable in the first half. He was fantastic. His Bryce Heem, what a player. He's always been good, but he looked fab at the weekend. And Ryan Mills, I think, is consistently one of the best backs in the Premiership and never seems to get a mention when it comes to playing 12 at a higher level. But I think he's really, really good. And Do you think I if think Brian Mills was at Wasps, he'd be in that England squad? I bet you he'd be close. Honestly, I, I, honestly, I think he's... Because he's, he's at a club that is used to being near the bottom of the league, really doesn't help him. If he played for a... I'm not going to say a bigger club, because that's rude. If he played for a club that is expected to be higher up the league and generally wins more matches, I think he would be in or very close to an England squad, because he just does... He seems to do everything brilliantly. I think if he was player. Scottish, he'd be captain of Scotland. Be Lions captain. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he was good. World Cup he, winner. Was, he was really good at the weekend. Um, but you're right though. Duncan Weir, just simple stuff. That is, passes were out in front, correct decisions, didn't do anything overly flashy, but the ball, and if when you're a centre or a back, you want the ball from the fly-off, you want it right in front of you. You don't want it yeah. to be able to check your stride at all. And it was just perfect. And they, they had a great platform, but their attack was on point in that first half. And oh, great. You they could say you could say it's poor Leicester defence, but the reason it was poor Leicester defence is because when Worcester attacked, all the decoys and dummy runners were viable options. When they're viable options, you have to hold for them. So you've got a you've got a fifty fifty choice a lot of the time, and the decision making was brilliant. You know, you, because, however, because if you've got two mm. runners, you're a ball player. You've got two runners. You've got to make a decision and you've got to see in a split second who's in space, who isn't in space. And Worcester picked those options perfectly. However, what I would say is they did attack very well, but Leicester's defensive. If you watch Saris against Gloucester, which we'll talk about briefly in a minute, you watch that. I mean, that is what defence should look like. That's what their defence should look like. Um, it doesn't look like that. And I think Brett Deacon, who's coaching their defence... You know, you speak to people on the inside and on the touchlines and all that sort of stuff and in press rooms and quiet little conversations in corridors. And I've never heard anyone say a bad word about him as a coach, as a bloke, as a player. So I think they've got a gem in Brett Deacon. However, this is particularly tough for him because he is under the spotlight. It's his first job as a senior coach, defence coach at Tigers, big job. And they're shipping 30 points plus a week at the moment. So there's a huge amount of pressure on him. And while he might be a very good coach, and a hard-working guy, and he will know a lot about defending at Prem level because he played a lot of Prem level, and I'm sure he's very studious. <clears throat> he just can't know as much as he will know 10 years from now. So I would be inclined 
if this trend, defensive trend continues from Tigers to actually bring in a senior defence coach, keep Brett Deacon and make sure he stays because they'll need him for a long time. But let him give him someone to learn off, give him someone to, you know, whose experience he can soak up because, you know, I'd bring in a, you know, a Brad Davis or somebody who's the best I work with defensively. I mean, it's just... I don't know who they bring in, but it's um, so you're clearly worried, by, you're by worried, appointment of John Mitchell. There aren't many defensive coaches about, it seems. You're worried that they might lose Deacon? Um, because No, no, I don't, I'm not saying they should bin Deacon and get a different defensive coach. I don't think that's how you do it. I think you... It's a bit like Nick Kennedy, you know. Yeah. Wonderful player for London Irish. Really, really popular bloke. Um, and, and very, very bright. So he's a great guy to be a young DOR but not if you leave him on his own because he hasn't done it before. So who's his support? Brendan Venter, clearly very good at what he does, but never there. So you don't, I think you don't just stick someone junior in a senior position and say, good luck, you know, because that, you know, it's all very well, you know, it's all very well giving, being sort of innovative enough and brave enough to give a young guy, give him his head. But actually what if it doesn't work brilliantly and it's expected to work brilliantly and you're at a big club with massive expectations and standards it's a huge amount of pressure and I'd get to the point where I think a couple more weeks like the weekend and I think it's almost not fair not to give him someone else for support or someone else to learn from. It's a bit so like, what... I reckon it's a bit like John Thomas. So he went to Bristol, he played for Bristol and he was, when he finished, he was in charge of defence. Now the first season Bristol had in the Aviva, they went straight back down. Yeah. Um, but it's like you, you invest in players, you've also got to invest in coaches as well because former players will have a lot of knowledge but it might take a little bit of time for them to to get that knowledge out so Mm -hmm. and it's not going to happen straight away so you're right though you don't want to lose these players through the system because you know you you're fresh out of the game you become a coach things don't go well for you for whatever reason could be nothing to do with you because good players make a good coach um you get sacked you lose your confidence straight away and then you're just lost into the system so yeah, it, yeah, it's it's high pressure, and the thing is different to say a Bristol. Yes, invest in the coach, but Leicester cannot afford to not. You know, they they will not accept or not being top four, let alone top six or being relegated. You know, that's not an option. That's never going to happen to Tigers, but in the near, near future. But I think their standards are so high that I I actually think that you need to invest. Investing in Brett Deacon is not just keeping him there. Definitely keep him there. I'd extend his contract. I don't know how long it is. Extend it. Keep but, him there. But give him but, someone to learn off as well. Yes. That's what I would do because the defence wasn't up to it at the weekend. And George Ford ripped them back into the game in the second half along with Kyle Eastman. They were both brilliant. George Ford was amazing in that second half. Like, but it's, what performance? It's no coincidence that Leicester's attack, I think, improved dramatically when um, Kyle Eastman came on. Yeah, hugely. First off, makes a, a great call. Puts... I can't remember. Is it, was it Guy Thompson? Guy Thompson. Holt, you know, mm. the, he's got an option behind as well, um, yeah. but totally picks the right option, takes it flat, um, puts the Worcester player in, in two minds who he's got. Um, but also, you know, you're right, George Ford scored a great individual try, as did Johnny May with a lovely chip over. But it, it was, right mm. to the end, a great game. And fair play to, to Worcester, digging right in at the end. But even so... They they sliced through them right at the seventy seventh minute mark off a line out I think it was yeah just separates they separated the winger and the centre uh, was it off a five man yeah this is the thing so you're on a five man line out 
So defensively, Leicester are defending a five-man line So they've got two back rowers in the back line and they're still beaten out wide. They're still beaten to an edge. Now that just shouldn't, as far as I'm aware, our first phase, I was always in the line-out, Tommy. So you tell me, that shouldn't happen, should it? Not out wide, no. I mean, they're often broken around 10. Um, you're just trying to get one-on-ones. But with a five-man line-out, you've got an extra two players in that back line. You can really use your line speed to get up into players' visions. And yeah, you're right. You shouldn't get broken out wide there. Because uh, mm-hmm. often five-man line-outs is, you look at a score after second or third phase. You know, so mm. you use the big carries as decoys or you use them and you track them up and then you either flash back or you have strike plays. Um, mm. But to score and to break the line so easily off that um, was poor defence. Yeah. Um, Hell of a win, that. Yeah. Hell of a win. Uh, Saracens, Gloucester briefly. Gloucester had it absolutely handed to them, to be honest. And I think Gloucester are going to be fine. It just They're not going to come up against teams that good every week and I don't think anybody would have come close to Saracens at the weekend they were so good defensively so good Gloucester have been great at the start of the season but it's only till it's only when you actually go to Saracens home ground Alliance Park to I suppose gauge where you actually are as a team and that's yeah. the, I think that's the real test of how good you are and I mean Saracens were on form there's no doubt about that your mate Dave Strettle scored a nice try after class, a, isn't he? after a lovely little break from Maitland, yeah, lovely. He's class. Stretch is class. Just what gets on the outside of Trinder. Trinder gets sucked in. A little. He's just bit. so good at scoring. Strettle is just so good at scoring tries, like Ashton, which is quite important when you it's your job. Yeah, Liam Williams at fifteen again was good. Scored a hat trick last week or the week before, wasn't it? A fifteen meter hat trick, I think it was. Amazing. Yeah, they all count. Don't Thomas Waldron would beat that, I reckon. I bet you he's got a less few <laughs> hat trick. I bet you he has. But. Um, Saracens yeah. just didn't allow Gloucester to get any front foot ball. So, you know, Rose was huge in defence, as was Atoji, as was Skelton. You know, they just, Jake Pledry, Ludlow, Ackerman, they just had no real go forward ball because they were just getting stopped dead in their tracks by this huge, well-drilled Saris pack. Yeah. They're so well drilled. They're so well coached. They're so relaxed in defence. I mean, I, l- I love that um, penalty team. advantage, booming up, up and under, right under the posts. Oh yeah, nice, eh? Great option, that. Yeah, great option. Carnage, absolute carnage. Marrow scored from it, didn't he? Yes, he did. Remember it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like that. Um, so that was a hell of a game. What game? What do you want to talk about next, Tommy? What game do you want to talk about? Uh, Exeter, New- Newcastle, Exeter was interesting on Friday night. Really. Really, the story of that game is, I think, Exeter just being brutally good in the opposition 22. They're good at getting there for starters because they've got so many good ball carriers, so many good ball players. But once they get in there, it's not like they score every time, but they score almost every time. It's either a drive or it's relentless pick and go. It's just, or they suck you you numbers in by doing that and beat you out wide. They're just so intense, but accurate in opposition 22s and Henry Slade just gets better and better and better he looked great on Friday night is he starting for England in your team yep oh yes yeah. easy oh yeah boy so that was a that was actually a really good win for Chiefs they look really good Saracens is the you know the most sort of ominous performance of the weekend but um, very very good from Chiefs and of course Quinns went to Bristol and lost yes Ian yeah. Madigan has would be great at taking corners wouldn't he and free kicks Yes. You've seen the curl on it. It's like... Yeah. It's, a, it's properly old school, isn't it? John Taylor from the touchline. Just curling it's nice, it in. isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. 
he's been great for them. He's been really good so far, especially from the tee, really, really good, which is massively important in their position. Um, so they, they were, you know, Lua Tura had another good game. It's just, it was a terrible, terrible game of rugby, but who cares when you win it? It's when you lose games like that that it's just brutal and Quinn's just didn't fire at all. Um, no. You can see why Paul Gustard's pretty... Conditions weren't great. Upset. But Danny Kerr, um, he's now top try scorer, isn't he, for Harlequins. Takes over from oh, Hugo Monnier. Yeah, I believe so. Takes over from Hugo, Hugo Monnier. Hugo? Okay, no, Hugo. Um, oh, right, okay. Mm. Um, that is good. That is good. Good on him. I, You know what, Tommy? Let's digress for a sec. Um... When I, did you know that I used to play a bit? A little bit. When I used to play a bit, there are certain scrum halves that were really highly rated and they were so easy to play against as a tight forward. They were just very little threat and you realise quite quickly that they're really highly rated because they've got a good pass and a good box kick. Don't bother me that. I don't want someone who skins me on the fringes. I don't want someone who whacks me when I try and pick and go. I don't, someone who's, I don't want someone who's strong so when they step me at guard or bodyguard, they make metres because they're strong enough to run through my arm, you know? That's what I don't want. Danny Kerr, nightmare to play against. Nightmare, but not the biggest nightmare. The biggest nightmare was Sharky, Mark Robinson, the yes. Kiwi, all black, who played for Saints. Nightmare to play against. If he decided to pick and go, he was harder to tackle, genuinely harder to tackle than most front row, front five forwards. He was brutal. If you didn't get it right, he would brush off anybody, bounce anybody. Khan Photo Ali can be like that. But Danny Kerr always found really, really like not that it was really hard, I mean it is hard, but you had to be on high alert the whole time. The whole time. Do you know what he's doing now in Auckland? No. Packing fish boxes. Sharky. Yeah. Is he? No, I just made it up. (laughs) (laughs) Um, He boxed at my testimonial boxing night. Was he any good? He fought someone who'd had a few, quite a lot of fights before from a proper boxing club. Yeah, cleaned him up. He was good. You didn't ask me then. Just scared. No. Scared. Had murder someone. <laughs> Just see red. That's it. Wouldn't be able to stop. Um, That's it. Bit of news from the Pro 14, mate. Southern Got Kings. Me. They won one game last year, okay? That's how good yeah. they are. Yeah. They, they beat Glasgow. Glasgow. I, mean, I, I need to act surprised, but I already know this. Glasgow, wow, they? a decent team. Yeah, they beat. Them yeah, in. that's great. That well, not great for Glasgow. But great news for them. It was at home in Southern Kings home in South Africa. Um, Thirty-eight twenty-eight. I was at Connacht. Connacht versus Connacht. Scarlets. Bundyaki. Bundyaki was. He had a hell of a game, Tommy. Sheer brilliance. Now, he hasn't started. He hasn't played yet this year. It's season. Was has a, he? he came on the, off the bench last week, but against Edinburgh. But this started. was his first start of the season. And Scarlet's had welcomed back Reese Patchell. So you thought that would sort of sharpen up their attack a little bit. Yeah. But Connaught's defence was really good, especially out wide, especially when Scarlet's tried to beat them out wide. Um, but Bundyaki just targeted Patchell all game. Now, Reese Patchell's just recovered from a HIA. So he's going to have a possibly couple of confidence issues with tackling because once you get concussed you know you you know you're not going to be 100% are you going to tackle no. um but they did that and he broke through and offloaded superbly for Farrell to score but just in defense in attack all day he was everywhere really good game from him and also a really oh, good well game done. from Sean O'Brien not the Sean O'Brien another Sean O'Brien in the back row different one different one yeah 
So, not the greatest game by the Scarlets, but they still produced some lovely tries and McNichol scored and so did Tom Prady after a nice little break from half can a break. You remem- can you remember final scores? I never can. Yeah, 33-20 to Connacht. Connacht. Um, Connacht. But, but there was a really good game at the Arms Park on Friday night. Cardiff Blues versus Munster. Blues They're were back. Nought, back. nought from three. So they'd yeah. lost to Leinster. They'd lost to Benetton. They'd lost to Zebra. All in the last minutes. And they came out and it was just... You know when you see a team and then you think, wow, that is just... It's nothing like the last three games. And you just yeah. think, right, if you could bottle that up and play like that all season, you'd win the league. It was one of those performances Will's Hulahula was unplayable. Mm. Breaking breaking tackles for fun. Beauty. Scoring tries. Just absolutely phenomenal. And so was Anscombe as well. He he yeah. uh, came in at 10. Last minute pull out by um, Jared Evans. So disrupted him a little bit. But really good performance. I'm working there for the Blues Cheaters game this weekend. This oh, Friday, you are. Yeah. you're all over the place, aren't you, boy? I know. I hope it's, I hope it doesn't go to my head. That's all I'm saying. <coughs> I feel like it has a little bit. A little bit. You're, quite, you're a little bit. You're a bit aggressive about like my opinions now. Yeah, you're getting punchy. You're like Jiffy now. Do you notice I'm wearing like more designer clothes as well? <laughs> yeah, I do notice. And when I called you the other day, someone when I answered when someone, I picked it up yesterday, someone picked it up and said Tom Shanklin's office, and I was like, "Hang on a minute." I'm Instagramming myself in the gym more as well. Just doing yeah, like, you're like Tom Evans now, just doing PBs left, right, and centre. <laughs> no, things are going great for you. I'm really, really happy. Well done. Things are really taking off. You just did. You just have you just turned away and done a massive cough, expecting no one can hear it? Huh? Liar. Right. Time for some listeners' jokes. Should we have some? Yes. Apparently, the Danish Navy have started putting barcodes on their ships so they can Scandinavian. Scandinavian. Yeah, then that'll do me. It's clean. That'll do me. It's a it's a Christmas cracker joke, isn't it? Yeah, I mean it's it's not offensive. That'll do me, fella. It's fine. Um, I mean, you're not going to make anyone really laugh much, is it? Maybe a child. Yeah, but fine. They wouldn't even know where fine. Scandinavia is. Probably think it's where. What for Gap Services? Right next. Probably think it's where Peter Pan lives. It's uh, Martin from Maidstone. Um, just want to find out. Do you know how you sell a deaf man a pig? Do you want to buy a pig? <laughs> I quite like that. Do you know him? <laughs> I feel. Like, I feel like I do know him. I know you're joking the jokes. He's from my hometown. Glorious Maidstone. I feel like I'm. If it's the Martin I know, then I know him. If it's not, then I don't. Um, we did have a joke from Simon Hammerschmidt. Now we know him from KPMG. He was also on. Whose testimony was he on? Uh, Christian Day. Day. Christian, sense. yeah. Um, but the joke is two and a half minutes long, and I have listened to it, and I refuse. Have you to play a joke that's two and a half minutes long? Right, Hammerschmidt, sort your life out, mate. You cannot leave two and a half minute joke. I mean, it can't be funny enough. It can't be funny enough. It's just too... If it's like like Mickey Flanagan doing a two and a half minute joke, I bet you it'd be hilarious. Was Hammerschmidt's funny at the end really, really killing funny? He said it was his favourite joke and... Right. I mean, we'll go one more, shall we? Yep. 
This is Nighty, sat by the pool in Colombia. I've got a joke about the Incredible Hammer Man. The circus was in town, and they wanted new acts. So they advertised, they had a few things turn up, bearded lady, normal shit. Anyway, this guy turns up, I'm the Incredible Hammer Man. So the ringmaster said, well, what do you do? He said, just give me a chance tonight, you won't be disappointed. Anyway, Big Top opens on the evening. Ringmaster comes out. Got a new act, he said, new act. It's called the Incredible Hammer Man. So with that, this guy comes out, wallpaper table on the front, puts loads of different hammers on the front. Sledgehammer, toffee hammer, ball pain hammer, claw hammer, they're all there. Anyway, he said, I need a member of the audience, volunteer. So this guy puts his hand up, he said, I'll do it. Come down the front, sir, come down the front. So he says, choose a hammer. So the bloke says, hmm. So he picks up this sledgehammer and he said, right, now whack me in the head with it. And the guy said, don't be so stupid, I'll kill you. He said, I'm the Incredible Hammer Man. It won't be a problem. So anyway, this guy whacks the Incredible Hammer Man round the head, out cold on the floor. Call an ambulance. He's rushed into hospital in a coma. Anyway, next day, ringmaster goes in, visits him. No change. He's in a coma. He's in a bad way. Day after, no, no, he's still in a coma. Bad way. Anyway, three, four days later, goes in again, still the same. Anyway, after a week, the circus is moving on. So uh, the ringmaster leaves town. Anyway, a year later, he arrives back and he thinks, oh, Incredible Hammer Man. So he went to the hospital. He said, uh, about a year ago, he said, I was in here with a guy, Incredible Hammer Man. He said, what happened? She said, oh, he come round. And he said, oh, that's amazing. What did he say? She went, da-da. Better. I like that one a lot. <laughs> very good. <laughs> I don't know whether that's I like it more good. because of the accent and it makes me think of Mark Regan. And the fact that he's a, a, by the pool in Colombia. I Co- think that's the best one we've had so far. Colombia. <laughs> that's very good. Exotic, that big exotic destination. Right, yeah, keep the jokes coming. Uh, we do like them, but they've got to be shorter than two and a half minutes, Simon Hammerschmidt. Yeah. Yeah. All right, well, I think that will do us. All right, lad. All right, lad. Well, you look after yourself, all right? No, you. You look after yourself. Um, and good David, with everything. I just want to say, a, sun, a yeah. sunbed won't hurt you now and again. Really? You yeah. think I'm looking pallid? Looking a bit peaky, yeah. Am I? Mm. But yeah. there we mm. are. Get some vitamin D in you, all right? All right, kid. I'll have a go at it. Um, goodbye, everyone. And um, have a nice week. Ta-ra. Yeah, ciao. Bye. Bye. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello HelloFresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.